It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. And today, we're going to be looking back at Leon O'Neill Jr., and if he should enter the transfer portal, and what entails if he were to come back to Texas A&M. That's going to be the basis of the show today. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for finding all your Texas A&M audio content. You can check out all of our great podcasts at LockedOnPodcast.com. Second, make sure you're following Aggies SI. All Aggies, part of Sports Illustrated and the Locked On Podcast Network, have partnered together to give you quality content surrounding all things Texas A&M. You can check out all of their great work at allaggies.com or si.com slash tamu. And last but not least, if you like the show, if you like what I'm saying, if you think I'm smart, if you think that I know what I'm talking about, all you gotta do is just hit that like button or subscribe to at Mr. Cole Thompson. Simple. I'm a man, a mister. My name is Cole Thompson. It's that simple. Don't wear it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies. Before we start breaking down Leon O'Neal and where his thoughts probably are in this selection process of going to the transfer portal, coming back, Texas A&M baseball had a game last night. They would take on the Texas A&M sister school, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, the Islanders. As much as you want to look at them and maybe go, yeah, they're a lesser team. A&M should have a good time with them. Guess again. This is a team that has beaten Missouri to begin the year, as well as Kansas State, and held their own against UT Arlington. All three schools who are potentially going to make it to the NCAA tournament for the round-robin range in June. The Aggies would strike first and early against the Islanders. Zach DeLock got things started with a one-out single in the left field. Logan Satori hit another one, driving both runners into scoring position uh, after a Will Frizzell ground out. Hunter Coleman with a two-out single up the middle scored both Satori and DeLock. Mason Corbett would single to right field, pushing runners both on the corners. And thanks to a Ray Alejo single on two outs, AM would take a 3-0 lead. But it didn't take long for the Islanders to return. Tristan Welch led off the second inning against Jonathan Childress with a solo home run to left field. Drake Osborne would draw a walk and advance to second on a one-out single by Nate White. Luke Marbich would reach the field on a error. They would plate one with runners at the corners. Itchy Burst, by the way, just an incredible name. I mean, literally, you cannot come up with a better name. Itchy Burst. Like, you're itching to burst out. Anyways, he had a single at the middle. He scored Marbach. Things were tied going into the bottom of the second. It would be scoreless. Then Trevor Beard drew up a leadoff walk and advanced to second on a butt single by Mike Williams. Beard would go to third on a flyout and would eventually come in to score on a infield single from Drake Osborne to put the Islanders up 4-3. After that, it was kind of a slow game. Not a lot of things happened today. You know, it was more so you were looking at kind of the line and you were looking at all the other players and you got to look at Jonathan Childress. He only played, I think, three innings last night. He was pulled. Dustin Sinaz, who was supposed to make the start, came in three solid innings of work and then came for the bottom of the seventh. Zach DeLock drew a nine-pitch leadoff walk and advanced to second on a groundout. 
Hunter Coleman once again stepping up to the plate. He singled up the middle, plating the lock, tying the game at four. Things would be going really well. Bryce Miller came in. He pitched an inning in a third, was able to go get those outs, and then everything imploded for the Islanders. They're known for their breezy style of approach. Well, they caused a hurricane of problems when you look at the ninth inning. Delac drew a leadoff hit-by-pitch walk. Satori reached on a fielding error, the only error of the game by the Islanders. That came from catcher Drake Osborne trying to get the throw down to second. Both runners would eventually get into runner's uh, scoring position with a Ty Coleman sacrifice bunt. Hunter Coleman would lead uh, things off with an intentional walk, loading the bags. And then, of course, Zane Schmidt, freshman, kind of a utility player. You don't really know where you're going to play him right now. You're hoping that he can find a way to make a name for himself. He easily made a name for himself with a beautiful base knocking in single over the third baseman, right up the third base side, right past the third baseman's reach. A&M moves on to win 5-4. They keep their 13-game winning streak at Bluebell Park alive. After the game, Schmidt said that because of him being able to take pitches early, it was something that you're going to be able to work back in your count. His quote was, I got a 2-0 count off the bat, which allowed me to see a couple more pitches. Eventually, it was a full count fastball away, so I just took it the other way. At first, it was fine in the batter's box. Then once it got to 3-1, and one, everyone was starting to get pretty loud, and you can feel your knees start to shaking a little bit. But it's a great feeling to have. I think it's really cool that a freshman comes in and makes this approach because something had to happen with AM's bats. They had a total of, I think, 11 hits last weekend in the Frisco Classic. They were swept. They weren't able to get anything going on offense. And instead, now they get something kind of working in their favor. And I think that this now plays into the success of the team getting back on track. The big question is going to be if Jonathan Childress comes back. This is a guy who last season had some shoulder discomfort, eventually had to go get surgery, had to miss the entire season after three starts. This was his third start. They, Coach uh, Rob Childress said after the game, it was cautionary. They don't think it's going to be a problem, but they don't know how long they're going to be without him. Dustin Sanaz came in and did a very good job in relief. Uh, I think he pitched a total of, if I'm not mistaken, five innings, four innings, four and, four and two-thirds innings, yeah. He allowed six hits and only one run. Uh, that did come on the single that would plate the Islanders to go up 4-3. But besides that, he had a very solid game. But you need a fifth pitcher. If you can't get a fifth pitcher, I think you have no idea how to really work the system. So, I look at this team, and I'm glad they have a postponement. Uh, the game tonight against Abilene Christian has been postponed due to weather inclinations going on around the area. I think it's smart that they just kind of wait. But, I do look at this team and wonder, okay, what's going to be the problem if they don't have a fifth pitcher? So, hopefully, they can work around it. Maybe Childress just misses one or two games at the most. They can work a four-man rotation. Maybe have Lacey pitch during the midweek games. You look at the schedule coming up, they do have some midweek games that are going to be important. They'll face Rice next week before going on a three-game road trip to Auburn. 
you need to have Lacey start your SEC conference play. But maybe if he was to come pitch against Houston at Blue Bell, instead of going up against Ole Miss, maybe he can get away with it. Speaking of things we can't get away from, right now, Leon O'Neill is in the conversation of potentially leaving College Station. This is a big deal. I mean, a lot of people don't realize how big of a deal this is because this is a starter for your team. So why don't we look at the positives of him leaving the program, but also the negatives of him leaving the program. There are both reasons to believe that this could be a positive or a negative. We'll be breaking that down in just a quick moment. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure that you are subscribed to the Locked On Podcast channel because if you're not, what are you doing with your life? It's not that hard. It's one simple button. You can listen to us on multiple different platforms. Plus, we have a ton of great shows from college basketball, college football, college baseball, and of course, you have NFL, NBA, NHL, fantasy football, and MLB to check out all of our great content at LockedOnPodcast.com. Right now, we turn our attention back to the gridiron as Texas A&M is preparing with fourth quarter drills as spring ball is rapidly approaching around the corner. But here's the big news coming out right now. Leon O'Neal, starting safety from the last season, played nine games as a starter, played all 13 games, is potentially leaving College Station via the transfer portal. He tweeted out early last week that he appreciates everything that Texas A&M has done for him. He appreciates all of his teammates. He appreciates all the support. But for now, it's best for him to enter the transfer portal, making him the second starter, whether full-time, part-time. Remember, Jay Sean Corbin, who was the starting running back before his injury and was expected to be at least considered a part-time starter, left to go to Florida State. This would mean the second player from the starting lineup to leave the organization. But, as it stands right now, he's technically not in the transfer portal. Because of according to Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M officials, he is still on campus. In fact, during Monday's pressers, you were able to get a glimpse of him walking around the facilities. So he hasn't left just yet. But, let's look at the positives and negatives of him leaving. Let's automatically start with the negatives because everyone wants to get this one out of the way. Negative. You're losing a proven starter. I don't think, however you look at it, however you think of it, whatever you think could be the future of the program, all of that can just be a thought. I think that Jalen Jones is a stud at wherever he plays on that field. He's phenomenal. If you turn on one game of him at Cibolo Steel, I'm telling you right now, there's no if, ands, or buts about how good he is. He is fantastic at what he does. But you also look at Antonio Johnson. He's fantastic at what he does. Both are on campus. Both have the opportunity to learn soon pick up the speed, and figure out where their roles are going to be next season. Another big if. They are ifs. Texas A&M has two great defensive backs if they learn the system quickly. If they can pick up on 
SEC speed if they can adjust to how players are getting bigger than their high school. If they could realize that they are not the best player out on the field right now. There's so many ifs with young talent coming in when there's proven talent on the roster. So when you let go of Leon O'Neal, yeah, you have his replacement. But is he your replacement? Because at the end of the day, he's not your replacement if both Johnson and Jones are terrible. And then you have to go back to the drawing board. And say one of them doesn't get enough playing time next year, maybe they transfer. They were both the number one defensive back at their position in their respective state. You don't think that if they enter the transfer portal, they would not have hundreds of options? They'd be set. There'd be no question about it that they would be able to find another home. With O'Neal, you at least know what you have. He is a rangy safety. He can play pretty much, not as a single high, but he can probably play in a cover four system. Great in zone. Pretty good in man. He's willing to come up and thump tight ends. He can make plays with his hands. He's made tackles behind the lines of scrimmage, so you know he has the blitzing ability. Does Antonio Johnson have all that? Maybe, but we don't know right now. Does Jalen Jones have all that from the cornerback position? Perhaps, but we don't know that right now. I like that Jimbo Fisher did a fantastic job adding defensive backs, and that's been a specialty of his. Working with quarterbacks and working with DBs. Even if they don't pan out, Traverius McFadden, I remember that name so well and how he ended up at Florida State. He was terrible in the NFL. He had one preseason game, and you knew, nope, he's not going to make it. Four-star corner. Had plenty of other offers around the state, around the country. He stayed because of Jimbo Fisher. He's great at recruiting these high schoolers. And I think that O'Neal is someone who you put in your offense, in your defense, and he makes it better. And especially with Mike Elko running a ton of three safety sets in a dime package, you want someone like that back there. So that's a negative of losing O'Neal to the transfer portal. Another negative is the production. How many guys do you know have a certain number, have had an interception in both their first seasons? have made at least five tackles behind the line of scrimmage, have been a at least solidified guy in coverage, and makes plays consistently off the field. Not many. O'Neal is one of them. I look at Leon O'Neal and I see a guy who is multi-purpose, probably a Tyron Matthew at the next level, just bigger. You can play him at both safety positions. You can play him in the slot. He's going to be able to make plays with cover skills. He's going to be able to make plays with his feet. I think he's fantastic. But the biggest thing you're really going to lose is that social media presence. I don't think people realize how important social media is today with the younger generation. I'm only 26 years old and I know that I think social media is such a big deal. It's something that kind of entices players. And that's why we have social media managers for NFL teams, MLB teams. That's why we have graphic designers for colleges and for the pros and for everywhere else. That's why we created these positions so we can be like, hey, 
we want this kid to come to our school. Okay, let's sell him by making him look like a star. Leon O'Neal sold Texas A&M. You didn't have to really follow him, but you knew when he was trending on Twitter is because if he said something very snarky to a fan who probably was dissing A&M and he backed up the support. Recruits to look at that. They see a guy who's so passionate about it and has built a social media presence and they wonder, can I be that guy? Can I be the guy who replaces Leon O'Neal as the Twitter guy? As the social media guy? And he does it without being someone who posts paraphernalia, someone who posts derogatory comments. He's very professional with it. I think he'd be a fantastic PR rep. But you lose that presence, you lose a guy who can easily change the position of a simple quote tweet of a play from a high schooler to making them into a superstar. I think you look at that and that's a big loss for AM. So hopefully he can return, but also, what if he doesn't? AM's going to have to replace more than just a player on the field. They're going to have to replace one off of it who's dire to the team. There are, though, some positives when players do leave for the transfer portal, and Jimbo Fisher did bring that up. We'll be discussing the positives of why, if Leon O'Neal goes to the transfer portal, it's not a loss for AM completely. We'll break that down in just a quick moment. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and last but certainly not least, at Locked on Aggies. We're going back to talking a little bit about Leon O'Neal and what would be the positives and negatives of him entering the transfer portal. We already mentioned the negatives. Stand-up player off the field. Quality guy who is a veteran in the locker room. Social media presence matters. All of those reasons you lose a guy like O'Neal, it's a loss. There's not a way to put it as, oh, well, it's a win in this. No, it's a loss. It's just that. But at the same time, there are some positives when someone decides, this isn't for me. I'm going to go test my luck somewhere else. Let me see what else is out there. And they go to the transfer portal. I look at this as, here's the biggest win. It's another roster spot that opens up. Every year, you're only allowed a certain number of spots when it comes to recruiting. Texas A&M the last three years have finished inside the top 10 of recruiting. Since Fisher's gotten there, they've been able to do that. But I look at now with how many players are leaving A&M. They're going to be able to tell recruits all the time, hey, we have a starting spot for you. Hey, you could earn some quality reps next year. And if they're on the fence with several players, someone like O'Neal leaving the program opens up another spot for someone to come in and go, hey, we have room to bring both of you to the school. We have room to sign both of you defensive backs to become part of our system. All of that matters because you want to build a contender. And maybe you won't contend this year or next year. I personally think that after the 2020 season, A&M will probably go back to being about a 10-2, and 9-3 team. But in 2023, 2024, maybe they'll be back into the college football playoff conversation. I think so. Especially with the way he's recruited this year for the 2020 class. If they all stay, why not? 
I don't see why not. So I look at all that and you put it together and you think of what's the reasoning for A&M not to buy into O'Neal leaving. It opens up a spot on the roster to bring in more talent. Another positive, you get more playing time from Damani Richardson. Outside of Jalen Weidemeyer, Richardson was the guy for me. This was the freshman I was most impressed with. And here's why. You knew he was going to play. When he came over from Wachaki, you knew he was going to start. You knew he was going to earn some quality reps. And eventually, him and O'Neal had to split time at the starting safety role. Depending on the scheme they wanted to run, depending on what Mike Elko thought was going to be the best phase of option, one missed out and one got to play. Keldrick Harper's back next year, so you can't go, oh, we're going to move O'Neal to free safety and keep Damani at strong. You got to figure out a way to do it. Now you don't have to. Now you just know we have our strong safety. We have our free safety. We can now rotate some of these younger guys in, see where they fit for the future, see if they're a part of the long-term future, and what we can get from them when we lose someone like Harper or Richardson to the NFL. And plus, you're going to be able to start seeing Richardson earn some draft stock. I think it's always way too soon going into your sophomore year to consider yourself an NFL draft prospect, but I do think that you can be a quality player who earns the attention of some NFL teams to where they're circling guys from, say, like Buddy Johnson. Say like the Green Bay Packers want to go Buddy Johnson. And they know Adrian Amos is up for a contract at the end of the year, and he's been declining in play. They look and they see number 26 making plays everywhere on the field. They're circling him to go back and watch the film for next year. It happens every single time. Every time someone watches a film and they cannot take their eyes off a kid who's a year too soon to be drafted. All that combined leads to, I think, why this A&M move wouldn't be bad. You get more playing time for a guy who I think has a better shot of going to the NFL. No offense to O'Neal. But also, you get to see where he fits for NFL teams. And they can start talking about him. He can start prepping for his future a little bit more. Finally, the biggest one, it gives younger players an opportunity to shine. Jalen Jones and Antonio Johnson both were the number one defensive backs in their class. Unless you redshirt them, you don't sit them. Now you don't have to burn a red shirt. You can keep the red shirt or give it to a player who maybe is injured or something or you know has some issues going on or maybe doesn't have the mechanics or wants to transfer. You can give those to them and let these younger guys kind of work their way in. Fisher's already announced that Jones will be playing a mix of a slot cornerback and a safety as well as playing on the boundary. So he's going to be doing a lot this year. In a pinch, you can play him at safety. Antonio Johnson on campus, play him at safety. If you still want to run a three-safety set, see which one of them works the best. All that added makes this now a fun roster to build from from the future. I don't know if O'Neal brings anything to the table that way, besides the veteranness and the capability of being a consistent role player. But if you can get a younger guy to do that as well, it's a big winning your book. So I think that right now, O'Neal should come back, personally, because of what he can do in the recruiting process, 
what he can do on his social media violence, what he can do with his ability to make teams, you know, make coverages look a little bit cleaner. He could be a role model and a teacher kind of role as well. But if he does leave, it's not the end of the world because you still have Damani Richardson. You have two very promising safeties who hopefully will pan out. You have Keldrick Harper, and you get another spot for the 2021 class to compete for the coveted number one recruiting class. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, we will be looking at Auburn versus Texas A&M. The Aggies will head to the road one final time this year. Can they play spoiler to Bruce Pearl's Tigers in their senior night? We'll be breaking down that. We'll be looking ahead at baseball and maybe talk some free agency with some NFL guys. We will see you then. And remember, gig them y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.